Good morning. Welcome to Zion on the seventh Sunday after Epiphany. A few things to share with you this morning. First, uh, newsletter articles are due today. So if you have anything for the newsletter, please let Rose or Mary know so they can get that in there for you. Uh, also this week, we are hoping to finish up our Galatians Bible study. Uh, the weather says more snow might be coming Thursday, so we will hold our breath and see what happens. Uh, also tonight, we will have our game night in the fellowship hall at 630. Uh, please feel free to come, bring a snack, bring a game, and just hang out with us. Uh, you'll also see in the bulletin some upcoming events. So our Shrove Tuesday Pancake Supper is Tuesday, March 1st. Uh, mark your calendar for that. And of course, Ash Wednesday, the next day. Uh, that Saturday, March 5th, uh, we will be hosting here a funeral pre-planning workshop. And this is really focused on planning your funeral service and some of the religious aspects and the religious thinking and sort of the Lutheran thinking of what goes into a funeral um, and how you might work through that and might plan through that. So I encourage you to think about coming to that if you haven't thought about your funeral, haven't thought about some of these topics, uh, I believe it will be edifying and will be worth your while. Uh, finally, I'd like to announce to you Thursday morning that Donald Latvala Bucko, uh, Donna Mackey's father, Steve's father-in-law, passed into his eternal rest. Uh, so we pray for his family, pray for Steve, uh, that the Spirit might comfort them in their grief. Uh, are there other announcements, other prayer requests for the congregation? Well, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a few moments to quiet your hearts and minds and listen to the prelude as we prepare to worship.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Jesus, make us instruments of your peace, that where there is hatred, we may so love, where there is injury, pardon, and where there is despair, hope. Grant, O divine master, that we may seek to console, to understand, and to love in your name. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our reading from Genesis. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. 
So, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. We will read responsibly Psalm 37. Do not be provoked by evildoers. Do not be jealous of those who do wrong. Put your trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and find safe pasture. Commit your way to the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord and see what God will do. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Do not be provoked by the time, by the one who prospers, the one who succeeds in evil schemes. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord shall possess the land. But the lowly shall possess the land. They will delight in abundance of peace. You, O Lord, will help them and rescue them. You will rescue them from the wicked and deliver them, because in you they seek refuge. A reading from 1 Corinthians. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. 
but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spirit that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. If anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give 
will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of our Lord. Invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right, so all of our lessons this morning, our readings, they're all about forgiveness um, and about new creation that comes when we're forgiven and when we forgive. So forgiveness is really hard. Forgiveness is a really hard thing not only to do in our lives, but forgiveness can be a really hard thing to explain. What exactly is forgiveness? All right, so I think maybe the best, easiest way to talk about forgiveness is through drawing. I can't draw, and I can't draw forgiveness, so I'm just going to draw an X, right? Well, let's say this X is kind of like some hurt that someone else has done to us, right? Uh, your brother or sister has hit you. Your brother or sister has called you a name. It hurts you. It's not cool. Um, forgiveness is this, right? Forgiveness is being able to start over and imagine a new picture, right? Forgiving your brother and sister after they hurt you is imagining that, not that that didn't happen, but that you can go on uh, loving your brother and sister even though they hurt you. It's imagining that the hurt is not the only thing that defines you and your brother and sister, right? It's imagining a new picture. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is imagining a new picture, right? The picture is no longer just about the hurt that you felt or the hurt that you caused, but that something new can happen, right? Forgiveness is about something new happening. Right, so that's what the Bible tells us about our relationship to God. Right, our relationship to God is about forgiveness. God forgives us, which means, right, God no longer sees us as sinner. He no longer sees us as bad. Rather, because he forgives us, he sees a new picture. Or in Bible language, he sees a new creation. Right, and so forgiveness is God making you somebody new? He's making you a new creation where you're not defined by your pain. You're not defined by the pain that you've caused. You're not defined by the bad things you do. Rather, you're defined as God's child. Right? So that's why it's so important to think about God forgiving you because that's who you are. You're a person who has been forgiven by God. You're his child. You're a new creation. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to forgive just as you forgive us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I don't think any news story ever affected me as an adult, like the news coverage that followed the West Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania school shooting in 2006. You might remember that terrible story when a gunman named Charles Roberts took hostages at a one-room Amish schoolhouse. He eventually murdered five children and killed himself. And in that story, it's hard to imagine anything more evil in this world than what that man did on that day. Right, but what surprised a lot of people in the coverage that followed 
gained a lot of attention because the Amish community did not necessarily respond the way in which a lot of people expected. And so of their response, one summary notes that on the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother, this the shooter had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he's standing before a just God. A member of a brethren community living near the Amish in Lancaster County explained, I don't think there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive and reach out to those who have suffered loss. Of the shooter's family, a spokesman said that an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited and comforted Robert's widow and parents and in-laws. One Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms, reportedly for as long as an hour to comfort him. The Amish had set up charitable funds in their community to support the family of the shooter. And about 30 members of the Amish community attended Robert's funeral. And Marie Roberts, the widow of the killer, was one of the few outsiders invited to the funeral of one of the victims. And so the response from the Amish community became a gracious picture of our gospel this morning. Christ tells us to be merciful. He tells us, quite plainly, to love our enemies. He tells us to forgive. And he says that when you do show mercy to others, you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. So be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Christ is saying that when we forgive, we are acting in the same way that God acts to us. Being merciful is the way Christians get to share God's love for the world. To forgive is to participate in what God is doing for the salvation of this broken world. And so there's, no, there's just simply no question that if you read the Bible, if you study the Gospels, forgiveness is central to who God is, to who Christ is, but first, I think we have to come up with a definition of forgiveness. It's a difficult word to define. And we often use it in a kind of I know it when I see it way. Because first, we cannot forgive exactly as God does. Right? God can remove the eternal consequences of what we have done against him and against others. And so some people tend to think that forgiveness is the same as forgetting. But if this were the case, then none of us could ever really forgive. Right? You can't really forget some important wrong that has been done to you. So as mortals, I think the best definition of forgiveness that we can come up with is something like this. Right? Forgiveness is the move from the broken results of sinfulness to a new creation through reconciliation. In other words, it's when one party who has been hurt by another begins to imagine ways in which the two parties can come together. It does not deny that someone has been hurt. It doesn't necessarily forget. It does not dismiss the pain of what's happened. Right? And this isn't a perfect definition, but I think it's an important one. Because when Christ tells us to forgive, he does not mean that all the consequences of our sinful brokenness will be healed right away. If you have been deeply hurt by a parent, a spouse, a neighbor, a friend, the words, I forgive you, will not immediately fix the relationship. 
Instead, forgiveness opens the door to the possibility that the relationship will be reimagined. It imagines that the defining characteristic of the relationship is no longer that brokenness that stands between you and the person who has done wrong to you. This definition of forgiveness also implies that the party who has harmed you has stopped their harm and is open to receiving your forgiveness. Right? You cannot make a move toward fixing the brokenness and reimagining a relationship if a person has no desire to stop harming you. Right? So that's especially important for spouses and for children who are currently suffering abuse. Right? In those circumstances, forgiveness is not a weapon that allows that person to continue harming others. Rather, as Christians, forgiveness imagines new possibilities. It breaks through the world of this for that. The way of the world is that there should always be revenge or repayment. You hurt me, so I get to hurt you. But what we will find is that if we live our lives this way, we'll live in a constant state of getting back at others. And so instead, as Christians, we say that forgiveness allows us to reimagine what the world could be apart from this for that logic. Right? If we look at the story of Joseph, we'll see this. Joseph, as a young man, was abused by his brothers and then sold off to be a slave in Egypt. As Joseph matures in Egypt and, in Egypt and he receives God's care, he's able to forgive his brothers when they come back to him. Except this time, Joseph has all the power. It would have been easy for Joseph to say to his brothers, you made me a slave, now I get to make you a slave. Or you hurt me, now I get to hurt you. But he doesn't. He forgives. And in forgiving his brothers, Joseph is able to reimagine what his hardship was really all about. He now sees that God was with him the whole time. He sees that God was using him to save the people of Israel during a famine. This understanding and this salvation of God's people would have not been possible if Joseph had simply said, you hurt me, so I hurt you. Forgiveness is about taking what is broken and about turning it around to be something new. Joseph takes his relationship with his brothers and turns it around to be something good for this world. Forgiveness always looks to a bigger picture. God's forgiveness of us, for instance, is about looking at a bigger picture of who God is making us to be. When God forgives us, he is recreating us and reimagining us as new creatures. When God forgives us, he recreates us from broken, dead sinners into his children. In our reading from 1 Corinthians, Paul makes the point that we no longer belong to the old Adam, we belong to the new Adam, Jesus Christ. Because God has forgiven us, our identity is no longer as the sinful descendant of Adam, but as the righteous heir of Christ. Paul then goes on to say that this transformation will be complete when we're resurrected from the dead. In other words, God not only forgives us in our brokenness, God is going to reverse the consequences of our brokenness. He is going to take death, separation, pain, loneliness, and illness that was introduced into this world through our sin, and he's going to make it all new. And that's the power of God's forgiveness. He brings goodness out of what is broken. And when we forgive in our lives, we're sharing in that very act of recreation. 
For this reason, forgiveness is the most powerful characteristic of the Christian life. Right, the Amish and West Nickel Mines took the pain of their tragedy and with God's grace, they recreated a relationship in which they got to minister to Robert's family. And in doing so, they became witnesses to not only that family, but they became witnesses to the world of what is possible through Christ. And so this is why Christ is so adamant in the Gospels that his disciples have to be ones who forgive. When Christ's disciples forgive, they share in the recreation of the world. New opportunities, new possibilities lie ahead of us when we become ones who forgive. And I believe Christ is so adamant with his disciples about forgiveness precisely because Christ knows how hard it is to forgive. How easy it is to fall back into the world of this for that. And in fact, forgiving someone who has hurt you is the most difficult thing you'll ever have to do in this life. Right? There's that darkness in all of us that wants our enemies to suffer. We want to get revenge. We want to be angry and hurt those who hurt us or hurt the ones we love. Forgiveness is no light matter. In fact, Christ went to the cross and suffered for the sake of forgiveness. But forgiveness is the crucial matter in which the whole world is hinged. Because if there is forgiveness, then there can be salvation. There can be something new in you. And if there is no forgiveness, then there is no salvation and no one is saved. And forgiveness is terribly difficult. It's terribly difficult. But how do we learn to do it? How do we learn to forgive? Well, we learn that to be able to forgive is a matter of trusting in God first and foremost. Forgiveness requires us to say, Lord, I trust that you can bring good from this brokenness. That's a hard thing to do. It's hard to do for people like us who want complete control over our lives. We want to be able to know the results and to know we are in control of our life. Interpersonal forgiveness, however, hands it over to God. It says, God, I don't know if this relationship is fixable, but I give it to you. And we, hope, we hand it over to God because God is the one who is in the business of making all things new. We can't do that. Only God can do that. And so to forgive is to rely on God. And that's exactly what we celebrate every Sunday morning when we celebrate Christ's resurrection. We celebrate the fact that God is making all things new. He heals brokenness. He brings life from death. God has brought life from you. God has forgiven all your sins and made you a new creature. Your relationship with God is in fact not broken. And as you stand before God, you stand as one redeemed from the sinfulness that once defined you. And so Christ invites you now to forgive others in your life. Forgive out of the freedom you have as God's child, knowing that he is merciful and he is merciful to you. Forgive out of the joy of being like your father who forgives. Because when you forgive, you'll be sharing and the Father's very goodness for this world. Amen.
together let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church, the world, and for all of those in need. O Lord, your servant Joseph endured hardship and struggle, yet believed it would come to good. Give us such tested faith and bring all things to completion according to your purposes in Christ, who has brought hope to this world. Lord, in your mercy. Lead all pastors, missionaries, and church workers in faithful service to your people with compassion and love. Bless every place where we hear your word and serve our neighbor in Christ's name. Lord, in your mercy. Let your love have its way with us, Lord, and lead us to expect no self-interested reward, but to love our enemies and serve those in need. Put an end to all bitterness and strife. Let forgiveness reign between each of us, even as Christ's blood covers our sins before your throne. Lord, in your mercy. Uphold civil authority and those responsible to you for the welfare of our nation, state, and community, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor. Help them steadfastly to pursue the cause of justice and protect life from beginning to end. Guard all first responders and protect those who defend us here and abroad. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort all who suffer, deliver the sick according to your will, and sustain by your grace those troubled in body or soul, especially Bob, Steve, Mike, June, Chuck, Nancy, Marcy, Greg, Alan, Ray, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Monica, Jane, Steve, and Lord, give your comfort to those who grieve and grant your children patience and courage to endure every time of trial with hope in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. We give you thanks for the gift of the blessed sacrament, O Lord. Give us a right heart as we prepare to eat and drink Christ's true body and blood, that by it we would be equipped to love you above all 
and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you will bring all things to completion according to your order and time. When Christ comes and all the dead are raised, number us, we pray, among the saints in glory, clothing the perishable with the imperishable, and bringing us into eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. God of all creation, all you have made is good, and your love endures forever. You bring forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Nourish us with these gifts, that we might be for the world signs of your gracious presence. In Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, 
who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent to us, Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, he gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share this heavenly food, the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.